Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. I'm your host, Brad Tunar, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Piven Williamson. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking all about Git and branches and pull requests and all that good stuff. Sure thing. So, uh, quick introduction to Git for anybody who is not aware. Git is a version control system that allows you to track changes to your code base um, and manage those changes in a mostly sane manner. Uh, it is a tool that, if you're not familiar with it, you should absolutely go learn it. Um, if you are, you may be familiar with something like SVN or other version control systems uh, that are kind of similar, but I think every serious developer should absolutely be learning version control. Um, and personally, I think you should be learning Git because yeah. Git's pretty awesome. Anyone that's been around for a while, uh, like developing for you know ten plus years, you're probably familiar with CVS, <laughs> and then mm -hmm. and then SVN was kind of the successor to CVS. Uh, you know, SourceForge, like the, the big yes. repo, uh, I think they started on CVS and then switched to SVN at some point. Oh, that's uh, cool. And uh, I've even used Visual SourceSafe, which is a Microsoft product. That's one I have never used. Granted, I don't tend to use any of the, the Microsoft programming tools. Yeah. And then there's another one I've used at Perforce. It's uh, pretty big with kind of like enterprise I've heard of that one. stuff. Yeah. They've been around for quite a while. But uh, cool. Git, Git's the new kid on the block, and it is awesome. Yeah. Um, for anybody who, if you're not familiar with Git, go to GitHub. Basically, GitHub, which you have probably heard of, is like a social code repository. Um, and it is all based on Git. So if you do anything in GitHub, you're working in Git. Um, so even if you're not super familiar with version control or interested in version control, being able to use GitHub is a pretty darn good reason to learn it. <laughs> because GitHub is awesome. Uh, I th there's a couple of things that we want to talk about uh, with Git and managing your projects. Um, and those are uh, learning how to manage branches. So using Git branches for like release management, uh, bug fixes, new features, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my, my workflow. And then uh, if Brad, if you want to weigh in, Sure. So when I when I build a new version, let, let's just use easy digital downloads for this example. I do everything in branches, uh, and and my entire my whole team does everything in branches. So right now we're getting ready to push out a new release for easy digital downloads version 1.9. This release has been in development for the last six months, five months, three months, whatever, however long we've been working on it. And so we've been building everything in a branch, and so we call it release 1.9 is the name of our branch. And so we do everything in this branch, and by having this in a separate branch, we can actually do development on another version or do minor bug fixes to the current version simultaneously. So we have all of our code for 1.9 in this branch. We have all of our code for 2.0 in another branch, and then we have a code for, a, let's say, we have a, a quick security flaw that we need to push out an update for. We have, the, we have our latest stable code in another branch. Uh, and then if we are doing, if we have a, a new feature that we're introducing, we'll create what's called a feature branch. And so we'll have this branch called feature slash view order details or something like that. And we'll do all of our coding in that feature branch for that new particular feature. 
And while we're doing that, any development that's going on to fix other bugs or other unrelated features is happening in different branches. So all of our de development is happening simultaneously, but independent from one another. Right. So that uh, feature branch, um, you, when it's like, say you've gotten it to a point where you're like, you know what, I think it's ready. We, I think it can go in the next release. So do you then merge that into the release branch? Uh, for yes. testing okay yes so like we'll have our release so we'll call it release 1.9 mm -hmm. and then we have a feature branch called view order details as soon as view order details is complete we will merge it into release 1.9 at any given time uh, in the EDD workflow we have at least three branches we have our master branch which is considered the latest stable version. Basically, that's the version that everyone out in the world is using right now, plus maybe a couple minor bug fixes. Right. We then have the next next major release, so release 1.9, and then we have a feature branch. So the feature branch gets completed, it gets merged into 1.9. Right. As soon as 1.9 is ready to go out, it gets merged into master and gets pushed out. Right. So I'm I'm going to guess that the reason that you use a feature branch instead of just working right in the 1.9 branch is because what if that 1.9 is ready to go, but you haven't finished the, the feature yet? Maybe the mm -hmm. feature needs to go in 1.9.1 or something else. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge reason. Uh, I mean, we have features that there was a, a, an API that I was working on. Uh, it was, like was going to be a webhook API. So if you're familiar with Stripe, uh, or PayPal or any other payment system, you know that they have these things called webhooks. Basically, when something happens, they send a remote HTTP request to a URL with a payload, some some post data. And so we are going to build the same kind of API. So anytime something happens with a payment, let's say a payment is completed, a payment is refunded, or something like that, we could send a webhook to some URL. So I was building an API to do that. And I was planning to release it with 1.9. I got about halfway through the feature and then realized I'm not going to do this. I decided to not do it, um, right. at least not at that time. So if I had been building that directly into our 1.9 branch, that would have been a real pain in the ass to rip it out. Yeah. But yeah. because I had in a feature branch, I could literally just let it sit there and nothing goes, nothing's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, you've pretty much described the exact same system that we're using <laughs> in our cool. development um so it's good to, to to know that other people are working the same way um has it worked out well for you to be honest we've kind of just settled on this now we were doing some other things previously we were just kind of using um we would do branches and then pull requests so it mm -hmm. was a similar system but uh, now we're not using pull requests anymore. Um, so what we would do... So do you, when you say pull requests, do you mean for people, third-party developers to submit patches, or do you mean for your own internal development? Own like internal merging? development. So anytime okay. I was done a basically a set of commits, any set mm -hmm. of commits, even, even if it was just one commit, I would open a pull request uh, and assign it to another developer in the team and so that someone else reviews it and someone else would review it and then they would merge it um and, and you know fold it into the to the kind of the main branch sure um 
but what we've realized is that it's kind of excessive <laughs> uh, because every time you create a pull request, it creates like another, basically another GitHub issue with a set, its own set of comments. Right. And so right. you have this kind of parallelism going on where you have a, an issue in your issue tracker that describes the issue. <laughs> and, and then you have a pull request that also uh, describes the issue. <laughs> exactly. And then your, your, your conversation is fragmented between the two. Mm-hmm. So we, we decided just to just use issues and just better communication within the issues. Yeah, we, we have the same issue with EDD development. Um, so I don't ever do pull requests for, for code changes. I used to. Uh, I used to do the same thing that you did, basically, um, at least for major changes. But some of the other developers will still do pull requests. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time it's because they don't have full commit access to the repository or because they're not sure if something should go in as is yet. Uh, so they'll commit, they'll submit a pull request. And it does create that fragmentation. And it can be a little irritating uh, or confusing or any other adjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely get that. Yeah. It, it's also, if you think about it, if your developer, whether it's you and one other person or you and 10 other people, if you have all have access to read and write to the repository, like there's really no reason for pull request for code review because you can still do you can still test it inside of its original branch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like there's no reason it has to be in a pull request by any means. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we realized is that the pull request was just adding unnecessary overhead and management mm-hmm. that we didn't need. So we've, we're just using yeah. you know uh, GitHub issues, and we'll just like you know uh, use an at at like I'd go at Pippin. Uh, to you know, reference you in yep. in a comment to, so please, and ask you to review, review it. my code. Tell me what I broke. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it it, it works quite well. Uh, it's, so I think I think we've kind of. I think another for anybody who's not yet familiar with branches or you're not sure if you should use them, I want to give you a scenario that I ran into a couple times before I started avidly using branches for everything. I mean, I I will use branches for every single piece of development I do now. Aside from, like, minor bug fixes, even if it's a little tiny feature, I will use a feature branch for it. Uh, And it's because I had an issue one time, or not just one time. This app definitely happened at least four or five times. I had a new version that I was ready to push out or getting close to being ready to push out. And then I realized, oh, this feature's not complete, but this feature's in my code base already. (laughs) I can't push out a not-ready-to-go feature. But I also can't rip it out very easily. So you're kind of stuck with, do you delay a release for, say, five days, two weeks, whatever, to finish the feature? Or do you work to backtrack and take it out? And if you have everything in feature branches and and release branches, that problem goes away completely. Mm -hmm. The other issue, and this is something that I ran into the other day, is let's say that you're working on a new release. And and you've got a whole bunch of new features you put in, you've got bug fixes, etc., and then all of a sudden, you have a major secu- you have a major bug report, something that has to go out today mm-hmm. or tomorrow. You have to fix it. It's an urgent fix. Well, your release is two weeks away. So do you ignore that urgent bug and wait two weeks, or do you go ahead and push out a fix? Well, hopefully you push, push <coughs> excuse me. Hopefully you push out a fix right away. But mm-hmm. if you have your not ready to go code yet in your in your main branch and you don't have a way to separate it, you're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's exactly uh, 
the kind of issue we're, we're trying to solve as well. So the policy, like I wrote, I wrote a document and shared it with the team to say, you know, like this is, this is the policy. And, and what I've said is it has, you have to be absolutely certain that this is going in this release. If you're going to merge it into that release branch, <laughs> you have to be like completely confident that it's going in because uh, otherwise you're just wasting time because if we have to rip it out it's a huge pain right and absolutely and, and a bunch of time that we don't need to waste so mm -hmm. um yeah i i, I think that's it, it's really interesting that we're both came like i didn't we've never talked about this before and we're using the same methodology it's well it's i think of, it's a I think it's a methodology that a lot of people use, and it's one that has become more tried and true. I definitely didn't come up with it on my own. I know there there's a couple people that influenced my decision to to move to that method. And when I first did, I was actually against it because I decided it was more complicated and was <laughs> unnecessary. And now that I've been using it for six to eight months, there's no way I'd ever go back. Did you you I mean you came from an SVN background? Right, subversion. Kind of. I I learned version control. My first introduction to version control was SVN, right. but I really learned version control with Git. The only thing that I did with SVN was simply committing plugins to the repository, which if you've ever done that, you know that you don't necessarily truly need to understand SVN to submit a plugin to the repository. All right. you need to know is how to follow the guide to make a commit. Right. Well, and so that it's funny though, because like SVN, you know. <laughs> you kind of shy away from branching in SVN because it's right. hard. It's a real and painful. <laughs> it can be very painful. But with Git, I've it's, never even tried. It's, you know, you, you see this, you know, if you read a few articles on Git, you know, it, it's rare that you wouldn't see the phrase branches are cheap, right, with Git. Because mm -hmm. they are. You create them, you merge them, you delete them, like, like all all day long, right? And And it's... And it's not hard, and it's not painful, um, like it has been in the past with other version control systems. So, I th yeah, I think um, I think probably a lot of people could uh, probably use branches a little bit better uh, if they've come from a previous system. Certainly, with branches, let's you want to talk a little bit about merging. Um, merging is something that I think can definitely discourage a lot of people <laughs> because sometimes merging can be hard. Yeah. Uh, like resolving merge conflicts. Like the first time that I saw a merge conflict, I kind of like threw up my arms like, oh, I have no clue what to do. Yeah. Like how do I fix this? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what, are, what are your experiences with merging feature branches and release branches and things like that? Yeah. I, I mean, Do you if... have any certain methodology for how you do it to ensure that it, it has a good merge? Yeah. Um, so I use a visual tool. I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I find editing like the, the kind of, uh, just the text file and like trying to figure out stuff that way. I find a lot more <laughs> difficult than using a visual. So, uh, I don't know if you've ever used this. Uh, there's a app called versions app. I, I haven't used it. I've seen it though. Oh, I sorry, used to not... use one called tap. Yeah, not not version. It's Kaleidoscope. I'm thinking of. Oh no, I've think, never used Kaleidoscope. I think they're made by the same company. Um, anyhow, Kaleidoscope 
is a diff tool and a visual merge tool. So it allows you to, you know, see the changes uh, between the two files and also see exactly what the conflicts are and just simply choose which one you want from the left or the right. That's cool. That's and, definitely easier than managing it through a text editor. Oh, yeah. I, fi I find, especially if you end up with a, a kind of a hairy merge, one that's like complicated, mm -hmm. I find the diff tool is essential because it, it could save you a sure. lot of time. So do you have a, um, a certain methodology for merging branches that helps avoid conflicts? I, put, I got one put together in turn, in, in by methodology, I just mean like a certain way that you yes. do your merges, when you merge, etc. And so, what do you do? Well, usually we, I always say you should keep your branch. Like if you're working on a feature branch, that's mm -hmm. that was based on a certain release. Uh, so say let's let's use concrete examples. So say uh, we've got a release 1.9 uh, branch and uh, feature X branch. Uh, and I created the feature X branch using the release 1.9. But I'm working on feature X, and then uh, while I'm working on it, you know, people are adding bug fixes and et cetera to release 1.9 and probably folding in other code into it. Well, while that's happening, I should always be updating my feature X branch, uh, merging from 1.9 into feature X to keep it as up-to-date as possible while I'm developing feature X. Uh, Great. That is exactly the same thing that I do. Yeah. Uh, and that really prevents uh, conflicts. Um, I, I think it, it, if you don't do that, you're going to end up with conflicts. Every once in a while, you might end up with a conflict, but it'll just sure. be a small one, right? I know so, when, I, when I first started doing feature branches, I didn't, I didn't realize that I needed to be updating my, my feature and release branches consistently. And I remember I tried to merge in a feature that had been in development for like two or three months. And like it just, it just like died totally. Broke down in tears practically. <laughs> like it just was like, no, there's no way this is going to merge in. But then once I realized that if you keep the feature branch or the release branch up to date with whatever you're going to merge it into, uh, it will merge cleanly almost every single time at the end. Right. And so then the only conflicts that you end up having to take care of is when, let, let's say that you're, you're merging master into release 1.9 to get release 1.9 up to date. Generally, you'll only have really, really small conflicts because there have been very minimal changes. So then you get those minimal conflicts taken care of. So then when you merge the 10,000 line release 1.9 into master, all of those work perfectly. Exactly. They're already resolved. You've already dealt <laughs> right. with them. Definitely. Yeah, I've, I found it to work really, really well. Cool. What about tagging? Uh, or do we want to, how, how about before we go to tagging, you know, take a quick break and we, I guess we forgot to talk about what we've been working on. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I I just launched the affiliate program, so I was working on that uh, for, for MigraDB Migra Pro. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, yeah, I was working on that a little bit. But, you know, I haven't been doing a ton of work over the break. I've tried to you know, keep it, keep it light. <laughs> um, just, just today though, I started, you know, doing a little bit of learning because I feel like I've been learning very much and I've just been looking at, you know, backbone JS and it's looking at the slim framework. Uh, it's looking at all kinds of stuff. Uh, have you heard of render? Uh, it's like a, it's a node JS backbone JS 
kind of framework that uh, Airbnb yeah. has released recently. Sounds and cool. It's very cool because it allows you to use Backbone on the, the server side as well as the client side. So you don't have to duplicate all your, uh, all your views. So, uh, so it allows Node.js to serve up like a full web page, like a fully rendered web page. Which, That's cool. But you couldn't do before. You, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, you know, when Twitter, like when you load a Twitter page, it's like it kind of jumps, <laughs> mm-hmm. like it loads all the stuff in, like all the assets, and then it kind of then it loads the interface. Um, well, it kind of takes care of that kind of a problem. Um, nice. So it's That's yeah, cool. it's it's really always cool. love learning about new tools or libraries, whatever they are. Yeah. To- I, a like, nice break, even if you don't end up using yeah. them, just like being able to to play with something new that is perhaps completely unrelated to like your day to day work. It's really refreshing. Yeah, totally. I I like learning about that stuff, but I often don't play with it too much because sure. Uh, I don't know. I I just never. I feel like if I commit to it, and then you know something else comes along and someone, you know, and, and then that thing takes a back seat or it goes away. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's... For me, there, there are things I really like learning about, though won't necessarily use them in a real application unless I decide to change gears and start working in that particular system or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I even feel like Node.js is still, like, very early to be using in, like, a production app. Sure. But, you know, lots of, you know, Airbnb is using <laughs> it heavily. So I don't know. I, it might be mature enough now. I don't know. What do you, what have you been working on? Oh, uh, I've been working on the same thing that I've been doing for the last two months or so, which is EDD 1.9, getting it up to date. Uh, we're pushing out the final release for 1.9 on Wednesday. So that's been a big thing. Um, it's the, the largest release I've ever done, aside from like a 1.0. We have 112 bugs and enhancements in this version that are logged on GitHub, at least. So it's pretty large. Yeah. Uh, And then the other thing that I've been working on, which I'm sure I will talk about in in future episodes more, is I decided to start writing an affiliate plugin uh, just for simple affiliate tracking, referrals, et cetera, because I really have never been happy with any of the current solutions out there. So I decided to start writing my own. It's called Affiliate affiliatewp.com it's um it's hasn't gone very far yet i've just i've only written a few a few of the the, the classes for the plugin uh, but it's going to it's kind of my side project just to have something else to to work on and eventually get released i feel like every time like i have an opportunity to use your stuff it's always like i'm always like just just a little bit too far ahead of where you are starting out <laughs> it's like <laughs> when, when i started uh building my site for MigrateDB pro edd didn't quite have the maturity like some of the sure. add-ons it was still really, really new it was really new and so i was wasn't really comfortable using it at that point and then i just set totally. up an affiliate program and and you're starting in a pl- affiliate <laughs> plugin it's like ah some one of these days it's so, all gonna see, line up one man. of these days you'll realize that what i'm actually doing is just watching to see what brad tenar is working on and deciding <laughs> to build whatever he's using that that's my that's my development methodology oh nice well well and i guess we'll never <laughs> you'll, you'll never, never get to use it 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'll be moving to EDD before long. Well, but... cool. well I'll, I'll be here if you ever decide to. Yeah. Awesome. Should we uh, jump back into Git? I know we've got a couple more things to talk about. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. How about tagging? Do you tag all your releases? I do. Yeah. Even the betas, awesome. actually. Um, and I think I can't really. I guess the reason I do that is just to have kind of a record of here's the commit sure. where we stopped and released something. I have, I think I have, I have two big reasons to do it. Yeah. Uh, one is that so that you have that that snapshot mm-hmm. of version 1.85 or 1.87 or whatever the version number is. Um, two, it's also kind of cool because uh, GitHub does releases now. Mm-hmm. like tracks your releases as tags. So you can actually go in and see all of your releases, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. So, like for example, if I go into EDD, we have 56 releases on GitHub. Wow. Um, which, which is a, it's a really nice way of just quickly seeing how many versions have we pushed out over time. Um, in terms of the snapshot, uh, the snapshot is super important for it, like if you want to compare something, like let's mm-hmm. say you want to know what changed between 187 and 186. Maybe maybe you introduced a bug and you're not sure where it is. So you want to just go like create a diff of the two versions. You can do that with tagging. Yeah. There's other ways to do it too, but I think tagging is probably one of the easier ways. Yeah, tagging is um, also important uh, for people that are using your Git repo uh, in their projects as a submodule. So. For instance, I'm using WordPress as a submodule for deliciousbrains.com, and when I update, I just you know do uh, you know a Git update, uh, just you know Git pull, and then uh, the version number mm-hmm. or well the tag no- or tag name I guess was so depending on what it is if it's v three point nine or whatever. Uh, I would just do that, and it just updates from GitHub. So yeah, that's cool. And I also do it for other other projects as well. Like I think I have WooCommerce as a submodule, and, and mm-hmm. a couple others. So I learned I learned a new trick yesterday yeah. that I had never used before. Have you ever used the? Um, let's say that you. Okay, I'll, let me tell you this narrative first. I had a. We had released EDD 1.85, and we're, we've been working on 1.89, and I realized that we had a bug that we needed it fixed right now. So I put we had to push out an, an immediate update for it for 1.86. I discovered that I had not tagged 1.85, mm. and which was kind of a crap. What do I do? Like, how do I go back to 1.85 and apply my fix? Well, to me, previously, I always thought you couldn't do that. I thought you had to have a tag. That's not true at all. Because um, you can. A- turns out you can actually check out a specific commit number, mm-hmm. and it will take you back to the code base at that time of the commit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had no idea you could do that. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was so. That was like that was like a revelation to me. Um, yep. So like I went back and found my commit where I like my version bump, which yep. is always the last commit of a release. And I was like, all right, get check out whatever that version, that commit number is. And voila, I have 1.85. Nice. I'm pretty sure also, 
I'm pretty sure the git tag command also will allow you to uh, input a, a hash, uh, so the, the commit hash, so that you can actually tag any commit in your history. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty oh, that's sure cool. that's the case, but I, I'm not. I'm not 100%. So sure. Check, check the yeah. So then, then it was nice because then I could go back and actually re-tag one eight five, so that I actually had an official tag for it. Yeah, um, totally. And then in the same in that same instance, so we we needed to push out this fix for one eight for one eight six. Um, we had already fixed the bug in one point nine, and I really didn't want to manually apply my patch. I didn't want to have to generate a patch or apply that, or even manually just change the code in one eight six. Have you ever used the cherry pick command? Oh yeah, yeah, cherry pick. Oh a lifesaver. <laughs> it was so awesome. It was the first time I've ever used cherry pick. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah. so cool because I so I had I had one eight five, and I had that snapshot, and then I had this commit that's technically in the future from one eight five. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to just bring this back. I want to retroactively apply this. And so, like, get cherry pick and then the, the commit number and it just puts in the patch. I mean, I guess it's really just like applying a patch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I had never used that before. And that was so cool. Yeah. I mean, the alternative would be to, like, copy your changes manually, right? Which would be really well, annoying. I think, I think there, well, there's two main ways. You could copy the changes manually, which I have done before, which is I always feel really dirty doing it. Well, it's, it's like it's back. I have a storage control system that I know should be able to handle this. Yet somehow, yet I'm still like copying my my copy and pasting between diff files. It can also result or, in conflicts, right? Oh if yeah. If you do that, so it's not it's bad from a, that perspective as well. The uh, and I, I guess the other way then would be to generate a an actual patch file from your commit and then apply that. Right. But cherry pick was way cooler and way better. Yeah. So that was a, that was a new one for me that I really enjoyed working with. Cool. Did you have you ever used uh, git add and then dash p? Git add dash p. Yep. Yeah. I bet you you've seen the video on that. I'm from not a guy sure. Named I have. John Carey. Maybe. Okay. If you go look it up, John Carey recorded a video that said it's called the most powerful git feature that you're not using. Yeah. Yeah, I learned about it. He's my old roommate. Oh, is that right? So, uh -huh, <laughs> this video went viral on Hacker News uh, oh, and really? a couple other places. It's a it's a fantastic video. Like, if, if anybody who's not familiar with Git Add Dash P, go search for this video and you'll find it. Yeah, he's my old roommate. He's actually the one that taught me PHP to start yeah. with. I'll, I'll I'll give a little just a little summary of what it is, just so pe go people might. So. It allows you to so git add just adds a, you know an entire file or all the files in a directory or whatever you're you're referencing, uh, but git add p will allow you to select which lines that have changed or which changes in a file you want to include in your commit. Uh, so, uh, for example, you could you know leave out if if maybe you deleted a line from uh from the file as kind of a cleanup but it wasn't related to the other commits in the file uh or the other changes in the file and so you could split those into two commits just doing git add p uh and doing two separate commits yeah it's super cool i i like using it a lot for you get into the zone 
you're writing something, you're writing a feature, or you're writing a bug fix, and all of a sudden you realize, crud. I have changed like five different files <laughs> that are unrelated to each other, and I really don't want to put them all into one commit because it would be a meaningless commit. I mean, oh, the idea of, with commits is you really want them to be meaningful in that they, the only changes in a commit are the ones that are directly related to that fix or that improvement. Yeah. But suddenly you you just get into the zone and you're just you're writing code, you're doing whatever, and then you're like, crap, I haven't committed anything. So you can use get add dash p and go select the exact changes that you want to put in your commit. Yeah. So I mean, cool. You gotta like, you know, it's for your own benefit to split out those commits because later on, if you're going through your commit log and you see this one giant commit and the commit message is like stuff or something stuff <laughs> awesome commit that's that's not not it's not going to be well, helpful <laughs> not just that for like commit logs but also like go back to our previous example where we were talking about get cherry pick let's say that there's part of that commit i need i need to apply that somewhere right. else if i do if i cherry pick it or check out that commit i'm going to get all those changes yep. which is another really i think a good reason why Commits should always contain only relevant changes. Yeah. Or another reason, since we're adding reasons, uh, what if you're submitting for me to me for code review, and I go there, and your commit is one commit, it's five files, tons of changes, and the comment log is stuff. I'm going to be furious because <laughs> i don't know even where to start i have to start line by line trying to figure out what why you're doing any of this stuff right absolutely no, no context so it, you really need to give your reviewers a break <laughs> by making small commits that are concisely described in the commit log yep couldn't agree more and i mean that's in a in a multi Develop, developer team that's super important. But I, I even I discover even in my own development, like when I when I am the the sole developer on a project, uh, if I go back through my commit logs, <laughs> I always get mad at myself when I see new changes or changes for 1.9 or <laughs> this is fixing some dumb problem uh, without meaningful commit messages, without separate commits for each change. It drives me crazy because I can't actually accurately figure out what I did. Anything else we want to throw in about Git? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, I think uh, one thing I should mention is a, a diff app. I, I mentioned one for uh, that's Mac only. Uh, so if you're on Windows, you can check out a diff program called CS Diff. Uh, it used to be awesome. I'm pretty sure it still is. And uh, cool. it, it's not like the flashiest app, uh, but it, the algorithm that they use to do the diff is just, mm -hmm. it's just really good. So uh, it's component software is uh, the company that makes that. So check nice. that out. I haven't, I haven't used it, uh, but if you are a Linux person, then there's one called meld diff viewer. Uh, and I have no idea if it's good or bad, uh, it has a lot of really great ratings on it, um, so that's something to check out if you're a, a Linux user and you want a, a graphical app to use as opposed to just the command line. Cool. Awesome. Should we wrap it up? Well, yeah, I think that pretty much does it for us. Uh, if anybody has any questions about Git, uh, tagging, branches, merging, cherry pick, you have other tips you want to share, 
feel free to leave me in the comments. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody.